you'll open your Bibles tonight to Ephesians, I want to I want to say something while you're opening there. Uh, this morning we had several that came out for intercessory prayer, and I just really sense the need of prayer. I think that there's many reasons that we have Christians that are not living up to their full potential. Uh, one of them I'm going to touch on here tonight because I believe it's important what it says here, and even though we're very familiar with it. Ephesians 6, we'll start with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having gird, girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to, the, to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given me, that I may open my mouth boldly to take no, uh, make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I, uh, well, well, we'll just leave it right there. It's in the middle of a sentence, but we'll leave it right there. That's as far as I want to go tonight. Hallelujah. One thing that we need to be reminded of, or maybe we've, fail to tell you. Uh, we always tell you, you become a Christian and all of a sudden everything's going to be hunky-dory. Everything's going to be nice. Everything is, uh, every day with Jesus says better than the day before. Well, it is with Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. The moment you become a Christian, you have declared war on the devil. And the moment you're in communion with God, we need to be outfitted for the fight of faith. Everyone that's in the kingdom of God, dear son, 
have got the forces of the kingdom of Satan against them. And he's out to destroy everyone. See, because we belonged, we belonged to the devil. The world was given to him by Adam and Eve when they sinned. He is now the prince and power of the air. He is the God of this world. And when we were taking, taken out of the world, we're no longer part of this world. We're in the world, but we're not a part of the world. And that's why Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. You're going to have trials and tribulations. And for anyone to think that something has come upon them that is strange to man or not outfit themselves for the fight is foolish. I wouldn't think of going into a battle with the army without them giving me a rifle. Now, I know that there's some that probably might put a cross on them or something, and, and a red cross, or, and go in there. I'm not going to. If I'm going to go to war, I'm going to have the means by which to defend myself. And I think that it would behoove us to realize just how strong the enemy is. You know, if Jesus said, if you're going to go to war, make sure that you got enough to win or otherwise make a declaration of peace. You don't start to build a house and then get halfway finished and quit. Well, we're in a war, and we're going to win. But there's going to be some casualties. Whenever you have war, there's casualties. And as much as I hate to think of it, I have seen too many casualties over the past few years. And I say there's something wrong. And I believe it lies right here with this very simple teaching. First of all, let's look at the enemy. You know, if you're going to fight, you usually send some people out to reconnoiter and, and uh, come back with a report, tell you how strong the enemy is. It starts right out here with saying, we don't fight against flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood you're fighting against. But principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That means that we're fighting against the authorities of hell. Don't let it scare you because we're told that the gates of hell 
And that's where they used to hold their council in the gates, shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. So God wants us to win. We fight against all the rulers of darkness of this world. We fight against all those who are in position to hinder the work of God. That's why Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan, because he was counseling him that he should not go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. And he knew that was the will of God. And so he was being counseled against what God's will was. And it, that, he said, was Satan. He was not talking to Peter. He was talking to the spirit that was motivating Peter. And so we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting in spiritual realms. And as those that fight in spiritual realms, you've got to use spiritual warfare. You've got to use spiritual weapons. You can't fight a spirit in the flesh. He'll tear you apart. A spirit you can't see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones. And so you have got to have spiritual eyes and spiritual sensitivity to that which is the spirit that's motivating. And so it wouldn't do any good, let's say this, this woman that's coming to speak in the park down here. What's her name? Betty Friedan. It wouldn't do any good for someone to go and assassinate her. That would only kill flesh and bones. That would not kill the spirit that is invading, the one who is motivating. He would just get another, another body to use, that's all. And so the way you fight Betty for Dan is not with flesh and blood, but you fight in the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. <clears throat> We're against everyone who has the ability to slow down the progress of the kingdom of God. In other words, an antichrist spirit. They're against what Christ stands for. They're against what Christ is doing, what Christ wants to do. And that doesn't, that's, doesn't mean that they're all outside the church. We're not against everybody out there in the street. We're not against the other churches. We're only against that spirit 
that would slow down or stop or try to stop the work of God. And you may have some people, even within your own congregation, that at one time or another, the enemy utilizes them to slow down the work of God. That doesn't mean they're, they're demon-possessed. That just means that they are not strong enough and they, a fiery dart has gotten through and they are now motivated by the wrong thought. It says that this is the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Look at Ephesians 2 and verse 2. Well, let's go to verse 1. You he made alive. Put your own name in there. You he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now works in who? Children of disobedience. Can we have children of disobedience here, in, in, in our congregation, can we have people who know what God wants and are in disobedience? Then can't that spirit, at the moment they're in disobedience, can't that spirit work through them? Not possess them, but work through them. The moment they're in disobedience. Hallelujah. See, our warfare isn't with mortals, but with immortal power. Powers of evil, which are allowed to rule a person's life. That's what we're fighting against. <clears throat> Talks about the wiles of the devil in verse 11 of our text. And I got a little subscript in my Bible. Instead of the wiles of the devil, it says the schemings of the devil. The schemings of the devil. And so the schemings of the devil, these are schemes and they're of a variety. He's got more schemes. He's got a whole bag of tricks. But Paul says we're not unaware of his devices. I wish that was true. Some people are unaware of the devil's devices. And he uses the same old bag of tricks over and over, and they fall for it every time. Every time. Because... This bag of tricks is adapted to our tendencies and to our age group. See, he doesn't tempt me with the same thing that he would be tempting one of these here sitting on the front row. That isn't the thing that being, I'm being tempted with. Everyone here is being tempted. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted in all ways, likewise as we are, yet without sin. 
He overcame. But you're tempted. There's something that you're tempted with, and the Lord of this world, the God of this world, knows what you're tempted with. He knows how to tempt you. Amen? Hallelujah. So what you've got to do is find out, well, where do I keep falling down? <laughs> where have I allowed him to get in? Better yet, put on the full armor of God. If you're fully armed and got all the protection you need, then you don't have to worry about these attacks because he won't be able to slide in there. But if he fails with, the, with his uh, wiles or his schemes, he's always got some fiery darts, as it says in verse 16. And these, are, these may come to you as, a, as unclean thoughts. Just a dart. I can remember when I, God had delivered me from smoking. I, I, I'm just using that because it's something that's very familiar to me. And years down the road, the thought comes, wouldn't you like a cigarette? And I laugh. That is the stupidest thing I ever heard of. Yet that thought came through my mind. It's a fiery dart. And I think that uh, he might try to find some other weak spot in your armor. And so he throws a fiery dart. It may be, I, I don't know what your, your weaknesses are, but he does. Maybe you have a bad temper that you can't control. And he'll throw a fiery dart and immediately you flare into anger because he knows exactly what makes you angry. And we fall for it. And so we have to, we have to realize that this, this guy is quite sly. He's intelligent. But these, these thoughts that come through your mind, you ought to be able to tell when they're straight from the pit of hell, you know? Sometimes... He'll put a thought in your mind that you should say something that really you ought to keep quiet about. <laughs> he has a way of getting our tongue. You know, the tongue is the most unruly member. Did you ever have a thought come through your mind and you just, and you blat it out, and then you realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Nobody, nobody ever get that? No, okay. So, in the face of such a sly, such a cunning, such a powerful, invisible foe, we need the best of armor. We need God's protection. God says this is the way that you can overcome this situation. Verse 
The armor of God is nothing more or less than that which fortifies us against evil power. Insulates us against evil power. And we have armor in the, in the military, and we, we call them tanks, right? The armored division. Tanks. That inside that tank, you have some protection against bullets. Well, nowadays, they've overcome some of that. They, they have these bazookas and stuff. They can shoot holes through them and so on. But when they had the armor, all they had back then was spears that you had to worry about and darts, okay? So we're, we're talking here in Paul's time, and we're going to talk about the armor. Uh, actually, the armor is those virtues or moral excellencies by which the Son of God overcame temptation. And he's passing the information on to us so that we can overcome just as he overcame. All right? He was the example. Now he tells us the secret of how to become successful. Let's look at Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. Now, the, the first, first mistake that a lot of new Christians make is that they don't bring their Bibles when they come to church. And therefore, when you're looking at these verses and you're talking about these verses, they got no idea what you're talking about, and they go out and they, they forget, and they don't grow in the Spirit because they're not looking at the Word of God. They're not spending time in the Word of God at home. And they're not looking at the Word of God when they come to church. Never come to church without your Bible. And never sit through a service just looking at the outside of it. If we're going to become strong Christians, you've got you to at least bring this and you'll see why. Okay, 4.15 here. Uh, says we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin then it says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help when? in the time of need. The first thing you've got to do is you have got to develop relationships with the King of Kings. You've got to develop a prayer life. And if there's any place that the Church of God is sadly lacking, it's in their prayer life. And that comes because they don't have the rest of the armor either. And uh, you're, you're going to see as we go down through here, they're just neglecting to put the armor on. And then they wonder why we have so many casualties. Colossians 
having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Therefore, don't let anybody judge you in food or drink or in regards to festivals and new moons and Sabbaths. See, Jesus Christ has already overcome the enemy, and you don't need to allow the, the enemy to put these stupid thoughts in your mind about, well, you're a sinner in this area, and you're a sinner in that area, and you're a sinner over here in this area. And, right? This armor consists of six parts. Six parts. The first part, we're told to girdle, put a, a, a girdle on truth. On the loins of our mind, we're to gird on truth. I told you the other day that the strongest part of a man was the loins. This is where the tenderloins are, right here. If you were to dress out an animal, you would get it right around the backbone there, the tenderloins. And that's where the strength of a man is. And he's saying, gird up the strong parts of your mind. Don't allow this, the strength of your mind to be sapped away. Gird it up with truth. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Hallelujah. This truth is nothing more or less than light from heaven. And where light is, it dispels darkness. And if we're going to fight against the, the principalities and, and spiritual wickedness in high places and the rulers of darkness, then we've got to have the light. Amen? And where the light is, darkness is dispelled. It's overcome. Hallelujah. It takes away all fears and doubts, and it enables, it enables one to speak out in confidence when you got the truth. Where are you going to get this truth? Jesus said, what? I am the truth. Where are you going to learn about Jesus? The Word of God. How are you going to learn about him unless somebody is there to help you? The Holy Spirit. He's your teacher. Amen? And God has given the church gifts until we all come into the unity of the faith, into the, into perfection, till the perfect has come, right? These gifts are all to build us up and to bring us into this truth. It's to edify. It's to build the body of Christ. So when we hold back on using the gifts in our congregation, we're cheating the rest of the members of the body of Christ. We're cheating them. God has given gifts to this church. 
And the reason they're not in operation is because we have people who God wants to use, but he can't use them because they're not open to it. Secondly, we're to put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is nothing more or less than a, a conscience that's void of offenses toward God and man. It's right actions which protect the joy and the peace of our heart. And we can't go about doing wrong actions and continue to have that peace or that breastplate in place. Boy, I'm telling you, if anything will get to your heart, the devil can get to your heart the minute you do a wrong action. If you don't realize that you, all you have to do to get the armor back is to turn to God, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and the breastplate's right back in place. But if you want to kill somebody, the first thing you've got to do is get the breastplate out of the way because you need a heart shot. When you go to kill a deer, you don't, you don't shoot for the head, do you? Where do you shoot for? The heart. Because you want a, you want a sure kill. And the enemy is just as smart as we are. He wants a sure kill. And he's aiming for your heart. You need to put on the breastplate. In other words, right actions. You can't, be, you can't just say, well, I, I love Jesus, and then go about acting in the wrong manner and expect that breastplate to stay in place or to even have a breastplate. Thirdly, we have the shoes of preparedness. The gospel of peace provides for the shoes. We should always be ready. Always be ready. What's it say about these words have I hid in my heart that I... See, somebody hid that word in their heart. I'm going to tell you something. I believe that part of the problem of so many casualties in the church today is because they do not read and memorize Scripture. Be ready always to give an account for the hope that's within you. How are you going to be ready to give an account if you don't even know what it says? I don't understand some of the people that come to my altars because the moment that I really got saved, I had such a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God and the things of God that I could not lay that book down. I read it every chance I had. I had a little pocket Bible. Full, full Bible, 
and I carried it in my pocket. And when everybody else was taking a lunch break, I was taking a lunch break too. I was eating the Word of God. Every time I stood watch at the gangway, I had all kinds of time to stand there. I'd be reading the Word of God. Read the Word of God. I, I even had the Bible with me so that when I came to traffic lights, I'd open it up to where I was reading there and catch a verse or two. My wife said that nothing came out of me but Scripture. She'd ask me a question and I'd start spouting it back to her in King James. But you've got to have that hunger and a thirst if you're ever going to grow in the things of God. It doesn't come by osmosis. Yes, the Spirit will lead you into all truth, but you've got to get into the truth first. I, I'm appalled at the number of people sitting here tonight that don't even have a Bible with them. Ought to be open to, to the, where I'm at. Checking to see if these things are right. I could be standing up here telling you a bold-faced lie, and you wouldn't even know the difference. Turn to Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. People are looking for good news. I pick up the newspaper and I read nothing but trash. Nothing but bad news. Bus, Greyhound bus turns over on 96A. That's good news? Good news is that only one got hurt. The rest of them got scraped up. You got to read between the lines to find any good news. This is good news. Jesus Christ saves. You can have eternal life. You can have victory over the world. You don't have to live in bondage to the things that this world has to offer. You can escape them. Hallelujah. You've got power over them. That's good news. Hallelujah. Then it says, above all. Above all what? What's the next piece of armor? That we got to put... A, I mean, it's above all. The shield of faith. Above all. Take up the shield of faith. You see, the old Roman shield, it was a big thing. I mean, it was so big that a man could hide behind it. And we got to have enough faith that we can hide behind it. Amen? 
Because what happens when you move the shield? Fiery dart. Boom. He's just, he's just sitting there throwing them darts. The only thing that's stopping them is faith. Faith is the thing that's going to stop those fiery darts. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is important. Hallelujah. Look at 1 John 5 and 4. First John 5, verse 4. Boy, I hope none of you forget to bring your Bible next week. We're not going to be here next week. Try it, try it on Sunday, though. What, whatever is born of God become. Uh, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Our faith. Our faith. Our faith. And your faith is going to fail. And faith comes by what? Hearing how? By the word of God. You're not reading the word of God. You're not listening to, to good preaching. You're sitting there thinking of something else, and guess what? Your faith begins to dwindle. And then you wonder why my faith failed. I couldn't overcome the enemy. I, I went up there, and I spoke to him, and I, I said, I want you out of here. He said, who are you? Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? You know what happened to the sons of Sceva, don't you? What happened to them? They got tore up. They came, they came against a powerful foe in their own flesh. Isn't that stupid? They didn't even have a sword with them. Didn't have any armor on. And they come waltzing up against the enemy. The last, uh, the last well, there's two more pieces of armor. Number five, the helmet of salvation. You know, there's something about being sure that you're saved that keeps you going. If the enemy, enemy can tantalize you with that, well, you're not good enough. Uh, Christians don't do that. If he can tantalize you like that and make you lose faith in the fact that you're really saved, right? Let me tell you something. The thing that saves you is Jesus Christ. See, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And Jesus bled and died on a cross that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that you might have forgiveness of sins, that you might have healing. Amen? He is your salvation. 
if you really believe that and you hang on to that, he's my salvation. He didn't die for me when I got good enough. He died for me when I was yet a sinner. And I accept him. And I am going to hang on to him. And he is going to change me. I am going to be just like him when I get into glory because I'm going to see him as he really is. I'm going to hang on to Jesus with everything that's in me. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to turn back. If, if, if God will help me, I am going to stay in there. I'm going to hang in there. But I, I can't do it in my strength. It's in his strength. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't make a statement like that. I'm going to hang in there with Jesus and, and say, think you're going to do it in your own strength. I've seen too many people go by the wayside. Hallelujah. His spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're the son of God. Something happens in your heart, and all of a sudden, you know. If you haven't had the experience that you know, then dedicate yourself again tonight, right now. Give your heart to Jesus right now. And then believe it. And then get in there and see what the Word of God says. Let faith build in your heart. Begin to do what the Word of God says. Put on the armor of God. Hallelujah. Maybe you've been to the baptismal tank and everything, but if you're still struggling, well, am I saved or am I not saved, then you better, better start all over again, get down and, and make the confession, and, and this time mean it. I mean mean it. Because, you know, you may have meant it before and then walked out and, and, and you changed your mind. You know, as soon as you saw the world, everything changed. You forgot about the confession you made. And that kind of confession doesn't do any good. Hallelujah. Last of all, let's take up the sword of the Spirit, which is right there. That's how, you, that's how you slay the wicked one. That's how you overcome. That's how you do battle. The rest of it's just my protection. But without this, I can't do battle. Jesus, when he was, in the gar uh, when he was led away into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, every time he'd pull out his sword and he'd say, Thus it is written. Well, why don't you turn that stone into bread? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, that's more important than that old piece of bread. Every time he'd just whack the old enemy right up one side and down the other. It's a two-edged sword. Gets him coming and going. But you can't use this unless you're familiar with it. You know, it's a funny thing. If you're going to fight with, with someone that's a master at using a sword, don't you just pick up a sword and then think you're going to win the battle. 
right? The enemy knows the Word of God as well as anyone else. Probably better than you do. And he'll twist it and he'll turn it. You've got to know for yourself. Get into the Word and find out, is that what it says? And when you come to a part you don't understand, then question God, what does this say? And one of the best places for you is in Sunday school. In Sunday school, every seven years we go completely through the Bible in the adult class. And I think it's every three years in the younger ages, is that right? Something like that. Every two years. Oh, some of, the, some of the grades is two years, some are three. But at any rate, you're going to be taught the Word of God. You're going to be taught it on your level. Sunday school is where you get to say, hey, hold it, I got a question. And George says, well, I've got a thousand years to cover it. Sorry, George, I got a question. Questions have become very relevant. We may not ever finish this course, but I got a question. Right? 